Hi, this is a podcast called Second Arrow. It is the third in a podcast series. You can also check it out on YouTube um, where the segments are shorter but do include visuals. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it pushes you to think differently about your mind and the world and your thoughts and the power inside of you, which is vast. All right. So if you have been thinking about Second Arrow, tried it a couple of times, noticed it in yourself, or if you're just the kind of person who likes a stretch goal, where you're like, okay, I haven't really tried this yet, but where does this go? Like, how far can we take this? How profound can this be? Uh, we're gonna talk about some of those deeper, uh, more expansive, sort of life-changing aspects of this teaching. An insight teaching doesn't really last 2,000 years. It does not get passed down from person to person to person to person to person, again and again, 20 sometimes, 30 sometimes, unless there's something really deep. You can engage on it, you can engage with it on the sort of superficial level of I'm just going to notice when I am self-inflicting pain, when I've been triggered, and then because I've been triggered, my mind starts spiraling downward with a series of exaggerated mental formations, or when I get triggered by a hurt, I start self bullying myself, maybe because when I was younger, I saw a, a mentor or a family member trying to bully themselves out of a hard time. Or my mind starts very quickly starting to go into comparative thinking where it puts me on the bottom of the comparative thinking rubric and it says, you're no good, bad things happen to you, you know, you broke up with your girlfriend, or your girlfriend broke up with you, it's because you're a loser, you're then over-identifying with a difficult thing, you know, this always happens to me, this is just who I am, I never get out of this, other people have it easier, comparative thinking, like fortifying and aligning to a lower identity, meaning you have a sense of self that's kind of shitty. And any time you can kind of think a thought that aligns with that shitty sense of self, you might think that thought to start creating. That sense of self is going to create thoughts that reiterate that sense of self. So if you have ever been told that you are less than, let's say you're part of any minority group or any group that's been dehumanized, or it's a family structure that you grew up in, where somebody has told you that you're not enough, you're less than, the way that you naturally are is wrong for some reason. Those types, that type of identity inside of yourself can be the thing that is feeling the feelings you're identifying with that sense of self. You feel like it's real. It's all you've ever known. It's all you've ever been told. And then that sense of self has these feelings and those types of feelings of maybe shame or hurt or terror or fear, those types of feelings 
pop certain types of thoughts. So the second arrow teaching, if you can inject a little bit of a block, a little bit of a block to I've been triggered something from the external world has hurt me, I'm now not going to think a whole bunch of self-deprecating thoughts. It's one way that you can stop the chain of events that go from the sense of self to the feeling space to the habituated thoughts that then reiterate that sense of self that you've been told that isn't true about yourself. Then you get to arise and land in a much truer sense of self. That truer sense of self is a sense of self that cares for itself, loves itself, heals itself is okay authentically as it is, is beautiful and angelic the way you are. So second arrow is actually a way to stop yourself aligning to sense of selves that aren't true, that perhaps have been put on you or you have put them on yourself. So let's take a little bit of a different one, which is the bullying, judgmenty kind of sense of self. It's not so much aligning as less than. It's much more trying to kind of punch your way or chase your way to change. The reason I'm laughing is because one metaphor that we always talk about, it's like if you imagined a dream space where you're everything and you have a home and in this home there's a yard and there are sort of garbage cans and there's a raccoon that runs into your yard and it, it uh, picks all the garbage out of the garbage can. So then you run out of the yard and you try to chase yourself or you chase the raccoon out with like a broom. You're trying to hit it to get it to move so that you can create the beautiful space that you want. This is what the bullying second, third, and fourth, fifth arrows are doing. So you have some sort of behavior that's been habituated in you that you take. You don't like that behavior or you make a mistake, human error. You don't get it right. You don't have experience in a certain uh, contextual situation. You do your best. You're a rookie. You try it. You get something wrong. And then you're like, man, I screwed that up. And then what do we do? We start to try to bully ourselves to change like hit ourselves to get ourselves to sort of light a fire under our own asses and change. So this type of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth arrow can look and feel like, cut it out, you gotta focus, you gotta stop this BS, like stop doing these things, you need to like get it together, right? So that's a sort of trying to hit yourself to motivate yourself out of a tough, habituated pattern. It doesn't work. It's not going to work. You're just hitting yourself. So in that sort of punching yourself to get yourself to change, you're just punching yourself. You're becoming a perpetrator. You're becoming a victim. You're going to have to forgive yourself for hurting yourself. And um, when you do that, you're kind of delving into that punching, self-judging identity, as well as the self that you're trying to change. So the self-bullying is hard. So those sort of second, third, and fourth, fifth arrows, we can see we don't want to go there, right? As much as we can, we can think it's tough love, but it's just tough. 
it's not going to help. It's making a hard situation harder. So when we notice ourselves self-bullying, we're getting into a victim narrative. So these are sort of ways that we hurt ourselves. We, something hard happens and then we start to hurt ourselves. Interestingly, we might hurt ourselves to kind of make a hard situation harder because we want to flag to friends and family that we need help. So we don't have a healthy way to ask for support. Maybe our communication skills aren't there. Maybe our ability to be vulnerable and fallible isn't quite there yet. We're working on it, but we're not quite able to show that side of ourselves to people. We could inflict ourselves with more pain to sort of spiral downward further to create a kind of chaos or crisis moment with the hope that our loved ones, our friends and family come close and help heal us. So what's profoundly surprising, but really, really real is that the desire for intimacy to have people close to you for a lot of us can be stronger than the desire to avoid pain. So that sort of starts to make a lot of sense as to why people spiral downward, why we have these mental formations that are negative and self-hurting. Another thing that we might do is if intimacy is too much for us, we can self-inflict pain, withdraw, pick fights, push people away, uh, just do something that's so sort of destructive and crazy that all the people in our lives are like, I can't be around you anymore. If we have a sort of avoidant feeling in and around people being close to us, we can self-inflict pain to drive people away. All I'm trying to show you here is that there are a lot of reasons why, very reasonable reasons why very smart, very sophisticated, very deft, amazing, sentient beings might hurt themselves. So you can release yourself from this sort of, why do we do this to ourselves? Let go of all that. Say, I know there's a whole bunch of really great reasons why human beings do this to themselves. When I say really great, I mean really reasonable. I mean, none of this is great, right? Once you start to see it, that's the insight. You're like, oh, I understand why people do that to themselves. I understand why I might do that to myself, but I don't want to do that anymore. The minute you see it, you're like, I don't want to do that anymore. So that's where you're going to identify that second arrow. You're going to notice what your pattern of self-inflicting pain of these thoughts that come and spur in your mind that are not helpful, that are not nourishing, that are not sweet talk. You can have thoughts, they could be talking very sweetly to yourself versus talking very angrily or meanly or uh, reiterating a victim narrative or a sense of self that's less said. So what happens when we subside those thoughts when we have this insight and we can kind of put a wrench in the habituated pattern of thinking that spreads on and on and on and on and exaggerates, it's a momentum. One thing leads to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next. When we can stop that pattern, then you're going to dip into an internal space and that internal space is going to have space. It's not going to be full of thoughts. And from that space, 
subsiding that symptom, these second, third, and fourth, and fifth arrows or subsequent mental formations are symptoms of the first hurt. And you're going to have a lot more ability to kind of get to the root of things. So we are actually addressing the symptom versus the root. But we're eradicating these sort of self-hurting second round of self-deprecating thoughts or self-bullying thoughts. So once we treat that symptom, we then have the power and space to address the first issue. The first issue is from the external world, usually. It's a pain that's come from the external world or a, something that has triggered you back to a pain from the external world then you're gonna be able to be much more present with what's act actually happened instead of lost in a world of delusionary thoughts. So you're gonna really be able to be in the world with an awareness that's not distracted or caught up in senses of self that aren't real, thoughts that aren't real, uh, a very introspective, looping mind. And your mind's gonna have space to turn to the exterior world see what happened, and then fix it, heal from it. You know, sew some sutures on that first arrow, bandage yourself up. So once we start having that internal space of compassion and healing, you're then going to be able to inform your external world. Let's just point to friends and family right now, friends who you love family who you love is going to respond a little bit differently to a person who has that type of mind space and awareness. So that's going to shift and change your external world right away. But what we also want to pinpoint is that the way that you are thinking and talking to yourself is also the way that when you are being your most authentic self, which is usually with your closest friends, your closest chosen family or your closest given family, when you're being your most authentic free self, the way that your mind talks to yourself is the way that you will actually talk to those in the external world. So when you say, identify in yourself, my second arrows are self-bullying thoughts, my second arrows are comparative thinking thoughts, my second arrows are self-deprecating talk. My second arrows are thoughts that align with the sense of identity that I have that my father gave me when he told me I was useless or um, disgusting when I was smaller. When you sort of identify what your second arrow is, your second and third habituated arrows, I want you to then be really compassionate and caring with yourself and then take it one step further and realize that this is probably the actual language that comes out of your mouth towards your loved ones when you're having a hard time. When you're in the middle of an argument, when you're stressed out, is it possible that you've practiced bullying language so much that you're then gonna bully your, your most beloved loved one? Of course. So this is that breach between the internal and the external world. So noticing that in yourself and stopping the second, third, fourth, fifth arrows of self-hurting mental formations 
Changing that in your internal world is going to change the way that people feel around you and it's also going to change the way that you speak and act towards others in the external world. That's one great example of when we change our internal world and we create space in our internal world and we dim, well in this particular insight the one thing we're doing is dimming those habituated thoughts. This change in your internal world will change your external world as well which is an amazingly powerful thing to be able to do if you think about it. Then you go from being somebody who is uh, defined by their external world and kicked around by their external world to somebody who has an internal power to affect and change their external world. Change the world. <laughs>